What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and my long-suffering host in arms, Chris O'Toole. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> good. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm sorry I had to put up with the technological issues we had before the show, but now we're ready to rip. Hey man, it's no no issue at all. We're ready. Let me, wait, wait one second. Let me just check this, Chris. Yeah. Okay, torch is ready. Okay, we're ready to rip, Chris. <laughs> it straight up sounds like you have a flamethrower. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of a flamethrower. It's like a the... it's a small flamethrower. Like once in a while, it kind of hits you. Like man, it's it's a room full of stoners operating blowtorches when you're in a vapor lounge. <laughs> I just mean though, like you know, it's probably got like whatever, like a butane, whatever type vibe. Yeah, like it's like it fully. I, the mental picture I have is like you have a device which is like it's hard to handle with one. Like you have to use two hands, and it like the flame is at least three feet long. That's what I'm envisioning. Chris, I'm going to say you're not that far off. This thing takes <laughs> a half a can of tain when you fill it. <laughs> and uh, the foot, the flame is like a good two feet at, at you know, <clears throat> when you stop feeling the heat. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you, buddy, this is a, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not no fucking, you know, you know, pinner smoking, <laughs> you know, dirt weed dude. You know, I'm, I'm right. coming in with the fire. Hey, I'm not, I, will, I would never accuse you of such things. I'm like the Johan Kugelberg of weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's always my criticism to other people of Damon. Like, ah, Damon tossed this weed game, but it's just all pinners and, you know. Yeah, he's, he's faking it. He's a poser, you know. He doesn't actually smoke weed. He's yeah, just doing I'll tell you the... that. Everyone believes you. I'll tell you that right now, Dave. Well, no, let me tell you, Chris. I'm I'm telling you because of the world that I also have my my big toe dangling in. Uh, cannabis posers is a real thing. Like people faking that they smoke weed and pretending that they smoke weed because there's you know money to be made in this industry now. Uh, but that's a real thing. It's very yeah, weird. I could see that, and I agree, it's weird. So I'm what I'm telling you, Chris, is that you should just pretend to break edge. No. And then That'd just like less, work an angle. <laughs> no. Would that be no. like the worst sellout ever? Like yeah. if like someone fake broke edge just to sell weed or would that be the most edge thing ever? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I'm okay. By this concept, but I, okay, I don't bring know. it up before the edge tribunal at the next meeting, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, telling it's, you, this it's is, yearly on uh, uh, October seventeenth. Every year we talk about it. Well, I'm just giving you quagmires. You know, I'm just giving you quagmires <laughs> and things to think about. You know, these are just mind puzzles. Well, hey, we, we have legal weed to discuss in Canada now. As we all do. Of my, all of my uh, other friends of sobriety have, have like uh, 
cleverly wrote me or commented to me in person about how because it's not illegal, therefore it it qualifies, and I laugh every time. But yeah, <laughs> a real real laugh, I bet too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like. I think though, you know, if you're smoking uh, that legal weed, you know, you really gotta you gotta check that stuff because there's mold on it, Chris. Sometimes. I suppose, but I just feel like, I mean, maybe this is the wrong attitude, but as someone who really doesn't care about weed or this whole topic all that much, but like, I feel like the people that smoke the legal weed are like, like the equivalent of like a narc in some way in my mind. <laughs> like I just can't, I just feel like it's like, it just seems really square. So it's, it's almost like you get like, you get even like, uh, like a weirder smirk from like a an asshole straight edge person than you would like just being a regular partaker, if you will. It's like buying a record store day version of a record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, you bought, like, you know, you bought the, the sick reissue, the, the sick unnecessary reissue. You got it. The limited to 200 on banana swirl. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to do like, you know, swirl banana too. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think with cannabis stuff right now, it's it's definitely interesting, but I don't want to force you to talk about this anymore, Chris, because <laughs> that's what Oil and Flowers is for. You know, Buddha and I both hey. enjoy talking about this nerdy shit over there. Yeah. Buddha hates when I start bringing up Kill by Death references on that podcast. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 uh, football related uh, in news and info. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's if I bring up football related news and info, it's just trolling you. <laughs> so, I I view I do love football soccer you know um, uh-huh. because I feel it gives me ample opportunity to troll the people I love. Yes, I agree really. with you there, and you have some good people you control pretty hard on that. I've got a lot of people I control, even inadvertently trolling people, as I found it on the last tour. <laughs> yeah, uh, with this football football shenanigans, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just got off tour. Uh, we we haven't talked for a while, Chris. How no. have you been, buddy? Same old, buddy. Nothing changes. Go to uh, shows. See anything cool? I'm trying to think. Uh, probably uh, the Dan. We did, we didn't talk about Danny's uh, solo show. I don't think. No, or I did show. see. I did see. It. I were uh, yeah. I had to work a couple. Um, but I yeah. I saw. I feel like in her absence, I saw an ancient shade. So it must have just been Danny. Regardless, though, ancient at least. Yeah. It was good, Danny Solo at Lee's, and uh, that was not Ancient Shapes, although I did, Ancient Shapes did play there. For the listeners, we have a friend, mutual friend, Dan Romano, a uh, highly talented prodigy, dare I say Jonah-esque, uh, and he makes music, whatever, but he has another group called Ancient Shapes, which is kind of the more pertinent to this program, and uh, he plays it as both things, both configurations, different bands, uh, but yeah. No, no. Uh, I feel like there was a punk show I went to, but I'm trying to remember what. Ugh, it's gonna bother me. I don't know. I'm at a loss. But um, anyway. Did you go to that uh, that um, a forward show in the end? I did not end up going. No. Did you? No, I went to see. Actually, I saw Drop Cold Red that night. Yeah, and we're was, we're bad punks. Sick. We're yeah. bad punks. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I definitely feel I've seen forward. No, I've seen forward. I've seen forward quite a few times, but definitely less yeah. than Tribe Called Red. But I can bring the whole family to Tribe Called Red. It really wouldn't have been the whole family kind of show, I think, with forward. Yeah, no, I I mean, I've seen 
like I mean, this is no excuse. I should have gone, as I said, bad punk. But um, I've seen Ford a couple times, so I don't, you know, I don't feel I've entirely missed out. To be fair, how spoiled are we in 2018 that we miss a Burning Spirit band playing in such close proximity to us? Granted, in far closer proximity to me, but still, yeah. close proximity to us. Yeah, true. We this are, true. we are, as you say, bad punks. <laughs> yes we are bad punks <laughs> but anyway i heard it was great and uh you know of course that that whole thing more importantly i guess the uh i'm, I'm assuming you didn't fly to japan again like literally everybody i seem to know that just flew to japan this weekend no nope. uh, no nope. i'm here the most infamous group in and of all time in punk arguably um but yeah I think that is, I will say though, that is still the greatest show I think I've ever been to in my life. I'm sure it is. I'm just amazed how many people now I know have seen them. It's amazing. Like I really, there's like few bands, sorry, I'm I'm hitting a dab if you're in that weird wheezing noise in the background. That's the whistling (laughs) of this dab. Yeah. Very low temp though. I'm doing a rosin dab, Chris, so it tastes delicious. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I digress. (laughs) I think I think going to see them is like that's like the event, right? Like they're like they've got to be like the only band that that kind of has that that draw at this point. Maybe there's bands in North America that do that. I'm just not thinking of, but that like play like once or twice a year, and people travel over to see them and line up to see them. It's like there's no other way to put it. It's like a pilgrimage. Yeah, it, it very much is. I, I'm always amazed at the the people I know that are able to, and I'm envious of these people that have been able to catch them. We're talking about gauze or gauze. I don't know how it's pronounced, but I'm going to say gauze as a, as a North American Yeah. Uh, for listeners who don't know what the hell we're talking about. Um, so yeah, they just played this weekend and we had some mutual pals that were over there amongst a lot of other people seemingly. Um, yeah. And you, you were fortunate enough to see them what, like about a year or so ago when you were over, correct? Yes, I was, Chris. Yeah. Yes, I was. And it so was I still religious. Yeah. If you had told me when I was a kid that I'd be standing beside a member of the Courage crew watching Gauze in Japan, <laughs> I was like, there's no way that's ever going to happen. But it did. <laughs> True. And you can listen but to anyway, a podcast I don't know about how, it. I don't know how we got on this. We were talking about... About you were mentioning something. Oh, shows. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I went into, into anything that I can remember. We were talking about Burning Spirit bands playing close proximity. Burning to Spirits us. bands. Yeah, we missed that show. We both missed that show because we're bad punks. But you were talking about so tour. What you you had some record uh, scores or what have you? Yeah, I went to a couple shops. Like I would have liked to have gone to more. Unfortunately, you know, I I was splitting my time between, you know cannabis stuff uh, and 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 podcast stuff and chris i'm gonna give everyone a bit of a hot tip because it's not coming up for a couple weeks uh the danger aaron episode of this podcast top five top five okay high praise it's it's unbelievable it's coming up in a couple weeks but i recorded that anyway I, i did go to some record stores though along the way picked up some good stuff Got gifted some ridiculous stuff. Um, yeah, it was a great tour. It's a great tour. Shout out to Riot Style Records. Got some uh, wicked riot. You know the Dwarf Seven Inches they put out. Surfboard Split. Have you heard that band Surfboard yet, Chris? No. It, they're pretty sick. 
They're kind of it, what what uh, I'm looking this up now. What dwarves? Which dwarves records are you talking about? New records or old records? New ones. Well, last few years, Ride Style Records, the label, um, has been doing stuff with the dwarves for God. I guess like not ten years, but getting close there now. Oh, I thought you, you were saying Ride Style. You're saying no Ride, ride Style. Sorry. Oh, Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. Had a dab in my throat. That's all right. Um. Yeah, so we only came to get high single. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a great label and super stoked to get these records. Uh, picked up uh, some jail cell recipe records from my, my homie, English Robbie. Seeing him out there in SF. Uh, he's going to be a future guest on the show. Met future guest Dan Panic, Tony Molina. Got to go and see that guy again. Um, yeah, it was a wicked time. Right up the coast. That's crazy, man. Envious. I was just there, but I want to. I want to be there again. Yeah, like we didn't get to see it, see it, but uh, you know, like you did. But I tried to convince them to take the Pacific Coast Highway, and no one <laughs> didn't want to. I was trying to convince your band to do. Uh, I'm not going to give it away because I feel like maybe it could happen one day. But I was all over Jonah to do something, which hopefully will ha- will will happen one day with your group, but, uh, it didn't happen. So I was mildly disappointed, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm mildly intrigued now, Chris, what are you talking about? It's but, something uh, I want to shout out. I'll t- we'll talk. This is yeah. Listeners. Sorry. I'm not, we'll talk it. after we'll talk. Yeah. After. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's nothing scandalous. It's just, it was a neat idea and I also don't want anyone to take it. So that's the other reason why I'm trying to keep it under wraps, but anyway, go on. Um, but no, it was, it was fun the whole way up. Uh, had a great time. Uh, thank you to everyone that came out and said nice things about the podcast. A lot of people came up and talked to me about the podcast, Chris. Uh, and thank you to everyone that, um, yeah, yeah, you know, came out and, and just, you know, checked out the show and didn't say nice. hi, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And not everyone says hi. I give everyone the no. chance to say hi, but not everyone chooses to. A lot of people leave <laughs> like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to approach that. I like it. What's <laughs> at a safe distance? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, uh, but anyway, I guess we should move on to some much sadder and unfortunate news that's recently kind of befallen the punk world, like a, a legit tragedy. Um, not that the passings of anyone isn't a tragedy, but you know, certainly something, someone that left a huge hole in their passing. And that is the passing of Pete Shelley from the band, the Buzzcocks. Yeah, that happened over, I honestly cannot remember now. I believe it was a week ago, thereabouts. Yeah, I think um, it was about a week ago. Uh, from when we're recording this, so from when, when it comes out, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, so that was a bad, I thought that was a big one. I mean, like, you know, obviously we try to acknowledge everybody that we can when this happens, and it seems to have been happening a lot lately, unfortunately. This year, I think, was a pretty daunting year for losing uh you know, sort of big personalities in this broader community, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was one I didn't expect either. Not that it, you know, what do you expect when it, it's sort of something that happens? But uh, I just thought like there was a, you know, a large understandable outpouring and it's, uh, it was nice. I'm happy anybody that gets like a sort of a reception to that level uh, that I've seen both from like music industry and then also like from the common person that just seems to have re- related to the Buzzcocks music, which is understandable because it's fantastic. And of course, he went on to do other music as well, Pete. But I think most notably in, into this show, of course, Buzzcocks related. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, it's sad, and I just wanted to us uh, to acknowledge that. I think it was uh, you know, unfortunate. Yeah, like they're really the band that invented DIY. You know, like they're the band. You know that that invented pop punk. They're the band that in you know. You know, like just such a such a significant band, and and he was such a significant personality. Like I got to meet him a couple times, and a really really nice guy, like a really really sweet human being, and uh, humored all my nerdy punishing questions. Um, but yeah, definitely a huge hole left by it. So rest in peace, Pete Shelley, and thank you for everything. Yeah, agreed. Same. Um, I guess we will now move on to the awkward part of the show where we transition into somewhat, I guess, you know, happier topics, which is, you know, nerding out about music. Yes. So Uh, where, uh, where are we going? Well, we got two episodes, Chris, this week. We got two huge ones to talk about. We have, uh, the Mark McCoy episode and the Barry, uh, Hensler one. So where'd you want to go first? Well, I think we should just probably do chronologically, so I'm going to say something from the Mark McCoy to, to begin. Um, I'm a bit, I'm a week away from it, so I'm just trying to recall my my uh, my great talking points. Yeah, I, this I like is a fun about, one, man. I knew you'd love it, too, because like myself, you're a Charles Bronson fan and uh, a yeah, yeah. fan of everything he's done since then. So, yeah, this was a great one to kind of sit down and talk to, you know, him about like this is someone who really uh i don't really changed the game yeah i think so i think there was we may have discussed this on a previous one like briefly but i think there are some sort of like you know the only easy way to kind of state it it sounds kind of like gross but uh there are like these tastemaker personalities and i certainly believe that that uh he was was and or is one still presently but certainly that that sort of youth attack, you know, uh, entity that exists was such a, a large looming presence for something I didn't know a great deal about early on. But it was definitely a thing. Yeah, like he he just like, you know, like, you know, bleeds cool. You know, like that's the growing up, like they were the coolest. And they were and, you know, and, and still he's like fucking cool as shit. Like the stuff he puts out still cool. And he like. You know, but that was the thing when I was a kid. It was just like, you know, that was the first band where I was like, oh, man, is this stuff I like cool? Like, you know, I thought all the stuff I like was cool and punk. But like, oh, shit, there's like coolness within punk, too. Like there's stuff that's considered not cool within the punk world. <laughs> yes. Um, I think which I kind of guess I knew it before, but like. You know, I can't be your friend anymore, or I can't be in a band with you because you like a band on Epitaph. Uh, cut right to my the soul of my being. <laughs> I never, uh, I it didn't cut to the soul of my being. I think I remember seeing that song title and being amused. But like, and of course, like certainly there was aspects of that that. Well, and even he talks about him liking. I can't remember which one. I think it was No Effects. He said he was in too briefly. Or yeah, something. that's why I had to ask him. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd have a No Effects period. I think I think like within reason, depending on your age, you're going to have liked, you know, some semblance of that as far as like your your uh, trajectory. You know what I mean? If you're within a certain age bracket, I think it's it's very hard to avoid. This isn't to say you should avoid it either. I yeah. think there is good good epitaph stuff for sure. I think it's 
there are certain things that, of course, have aged, and as you've so affectionately coined the epifat, uh, you know, zeitgeist or whatever is is a thing. But you know, I, I have no beef with a lot of the stuff from that era that they put out, and I, I. But I do think as well. I think point taken. Like I think that Charles Bronson song was was very, very, very well stated. It is a great torpedo moment and they actually had a bunch that group i think was really good at that yeah yeah they were definitely like masters of takedowns yes like there's a Which mean, so... like they, they were like the olc that was it was okay to like yeah, it, which is funny because they even have of course a very infamous diss on that too yes. but um but it's yeah it is very weird because it it's it's cynical in all the right ways with still being humorous enough but also not I don't know what the word would be. Yeah, you, you didn't get like it was. There was not like a machismo to it. So I don't know if that's maybe why it resonated with me more um, at that age. I don't know what it was, but yeah, they, I just thought they were a really clever band. It's funny now some of the stuff like when he's talking about the song titles. Like I always knew they had kind of crazy song titles from what I remembered as someone who doesn't like look at the records every day, but. And looking at them again, like some of those song titles are kind of like they do seem a little like, 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 and some of them are clever, but it's just like you know they have a song called Chicago and like, like yeah, yeah, it's just you know an eavesdrop and it's just like weird. But then like you know, sick of OJ is a great song title, especially for like that era, like that ninety whatever year that I guess the record came out ninety five. I don't know when they did the the actual song originally, but you know like that's a great. I don't know. It's a great title for that era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OJ was everywhere, and like the like writing a song with that, I think is brilliant. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just I just think they their their legacy has lived on. And what surprised me most about the interview relating to Charles Bronson specifically was that I had never realized that they didn't really tour at all. I think that's kind of wild considering their reputation presently. Yeah, like, it's amazing how far that band traveled. Yeah. You know, and I think it's because, like, like you were saying, they were also, like, they knew about punk, you know, and they knew about hardcore in, like, like a really nerdy way. And, like, the stuff they were referencing was, like, I don't know, was, like, was kind of, like, stuff that required a little bit more of a deeper knowledge of, of punk and hardcore. Like, very much, like, doing what spaz was doing but this was almost like like you know the the slightly more cynical version of spaz if that was such possible yeah no no i agree yeah i think spaz is almost has more of like a and it's not the appropriate way to state it but it's more of like a pop culture references whereas like they they have that but theirs are more like i don't know man like like i don't know just the fact i'm looking at uh the seven inch now like the demo or whatever and like the fact that they cover the neos on that which i couldn't remember they had like that's insane for that year dude there's um, so much stuff about this seven okay let's just dive in like maybe this is the first talking point this demo tape <laughs> sure. seven inch which uh you know mark claims to have no idea where it came from but like you know there's just so many things about this record that are ridiculous okay um so on the back it's got, uh, they put, they had beef with the band Race Trader. Yes. And I so, this. so I don't know, whoever did this seven inch, I have no idea who did. 
Um, but if you look at the address on the back, it's the dude from Race Trainers Address. <laughs> Which is a troll of the time. I would Total say. troll of the time. You know, so yeah. this dude, and I heard from like a, a mutual friend that he's his, it like it was his folks' house and they would get mail from Japan asking <laughs> if there's any copies of this seven inch available still. <laughs> Which is is totally brilliant in a way, <laughs> but yeah, certainly mean spirited. <laughs> yeah, very mean spirited. Like not saying it's you know not saying I'm backing, but I'm just saying like there's just so many cerebral, weird like in references and like look at this lyric sheet, how impenetrable like you know it is written, but it's also like vaguely kind of references like UK stuff. Like it's almost like the drawings reference the stupids in a weird way. Yeah, to me, I don't know. And then it's got like the old flyers in there too. Uh, Let alone the the record label name is pretty next level as well. The record label's sick. It looks so cool. This, <laughs> this record's ridiculous. Yeah. So I just think they were. I don't know. They were they were hitting all the right marks for me. I think that there's a reason why this band resonates. But back to the interview, I I was shocked that his kind of like. Uh, whatever, like they didn't tour, like they, they played the West Coast and like, you know, the one thing I related to was, <laughs> and uh, perhaps you relate to is the, <laughs> they're just like, yeah, we played, we made no money ever. And like, yep, I'm like that sounds like <laughs> an experience that I'm familiar with. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I, he gave it enough credence because obviously it's something he's known for, but it also seemed like a very, very short moment of time. Yeah, that he seems to have to kind of explain that's that's that he kind of seemed to talk about was was of a specific era and time only almost, which which I think is I think that's a good way to be. I think there's a lot of people that can milk that and sort of keep um, trudging up the fact that they were in it or what have you. And it, and I don't feel like to me anyway that I've experienced or or read or seen anywhere. None of those members really seem to like go off and like milk that, which I like. Um, yeah, yeah, they all kind of like, you know, <laughs> almost distance themselves from it in a weird way. Yeah, and I don't, like I maybe for a minute, and again in the interview he explains like they they just like pissed off a ton of people. Yeah. So perhaps there was a time when there was necessity to <laughs> separate from that association i don't know but um i don't know i always so one thing i wanted to bring up because when i listened to the interview on that talking point as far as pissing people off and like you know clearly some of the songs are, are like pointedly you know targeted um is is that solely the input like like relating to your the, the group you're a part of fucked up of course um was that where the early fucked up you know, edge came from that cinema. Like, cause you were the only other group that I knew of that kind of did it in that sort of way. I think like for us, it was more by way of Chris Callahan, you know, which probably was that. influenced yeah, yeah. by Charles Bronson in a way, but he was even doing that stuff before that, like left for dead era. He was already yeah. kind of into that. See, but I think the band, the band that this band, like there were no, there would be like no way this band existed as career suicide without Charles Bronson. Like 
that first Board of Education demo, like the band that legitimately becomes career suicide more than even the first line of career suicide is career suicide at this point. Like that Jonah <laughs> Martin dynamic is yeah. like th- that demo is just like like <laughs> a super inept, like beyond inept uh, version of Charles Bronson. I get like, yeah, I never thought about it in that light. I believe you mentioned that in the interview. too. Oh, no. Martin was obsessed with Charles Bronson. Yeah, I think he had like, a patch on his jacket, or Jonah did, or one of them definitely did. Well, I mean, and I, it it does make sense, like stylistically. I get it. You know, if I'm thinking about those individuals, it would make perfect sense. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a great. You know, if it in fact was that big an influence, then I think that's great too, because it makes I don't know, it makes sense. That's another. I mean, Cruz Suicide, a great great band, actually. I think. Uh, Weirdly yeah, Board of Education was not though, but <laughs> is definitely a great band. I could definitely. <laughs> I hey, I'm not throwing no shade at Board of Education. I'm not sure, but I got to uh, play you this tape next time you're over, Chris. I can't even read this stuff on the air. I was like, I should read this. Like, no, nope. I'm just so bummed. I tried to buy it and I got friggin' yeah. I tried to buy it from your band member and I got someone sniped me. Yeah, his name's Damian Abraham. He's on the other end of this phone call. You got it, really? Yeah, yeah I got. That's where I got it from Sandy. I got. A bunch of weird career suicide stuff off Sandy. I thought someone else had scored it, not you. But that's okay. Then I'm gonna feel all right. I feel better about it. I think only had it as a CDR back in the day. Yeah. It came out as a CDR, and they had a razor blade in the CDR. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. I, Jonah talks about it on his episode. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> the Jonah yeah. episode is worth going back and listening to just for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, though they were definitely the they were the big influence on career or the like board of education before career suicide, um, back then. But yeah, like I was, I love that band. Like I remember when that LP came out, all the uh, guys from Gojira, Godzilla, were all lined up uh, outside of Full Blast to get it from Simon Harvey, who had ordered it in, and hmm. we all lined up and got it like the day it came out. There was like, like like hype around it coming out. Yeah, you were mentioning like I I wasn't in the city and I I came to this band a little later. Um, so I never had like I was never on the wave when the record dropped. But um, I think you know what it is with this group too. The, like uh, relating to sort of that that lasting um, influence or whatever. I think weirdly enough, and it, you bring it up, and I do think it is one of the better like whatever collection CDs that exists that CD seemed to get pretty far and wide. And I think it was done in such a way that it, it captured everything really well. Yeah. And so I feel like that might've even been an even bigger um, reason why. Oh, definitely. I remember the CD came out. It was like sold out for weeks. It was also in the early days of like eBay where, People were buying that CD and then turning around and flipping it on eBay for like two hundred bucks or a hundred bucks or something. Wow! But uh, yeah, I, I still have a copy of it, and the video stuff on it is pretty, oh, pretty unbelievable. So good. Which, speaking of, like, I guess that'll be the next talking point. But the uh, the I was kind of shocked and and sort of amazed because when I watched that video stuff the first time, and they're like whipping the record up or whatever and shooting it again, I haven't watched it like. A long time, so I think that's what happens. Yeah, they but, they uh, put down it. He shoots it. I remember in the junker with a shotgun. I definitely know there's guns, and I definitely remember they shot something. I can't remember if it's the record, but I guess it is. Um, but anyway, I remember thinking like watching that and thinking like, man, 
like after everything else about the group seeing that and being like these guys are badass man they're like shooting shotguns and like <laughs> and so the interview for me is kind of funny because it shattered some illusions i had i just thought like these guys are like you know like badass and just and then like he's like no we had to <laughs> he's like he hurt his wrist or his shoulder or whatever <laughs> shot the gun and like he never shot well, i don't know if he never said he never shot a gun but basically he was not a gun guy <laughs> that was like a it was intentionally done to for the for the video or whatever so i was amused at that too but i still thought it came off really really great at the time oh yeah no that that was amazing when it came out like i just remember seeing it being like this is the coolest it reminded me and because he talks about skateboarding uh, sort of in the early, um, whatchamacallit, like his trajectory, he's talking about skateboarding being an influence early on and him, uh, him calling people, whatever, which we can talk about that too. But uh, the gun thing reminded me of this. Um, there was like a, a brief, I don't know what you want to call it, like campaign or whatever, but there was a skate company called Plan B. Yeah. And there's a very, very big skater now, but he skated for them. He was big then too, but he's like become like a household name kind of guy. But Danny Way had this, I think it was the Danny Way board, where he had like a mannequin board and it was like the whole, like back then, this is like, you're talking about like Thrasher magazine style. But the whole art concept was like they had taken like a, a shot, like a 12 gauge or some shit. And they were like shooting this mannequin or whatever. And then the board was like the stills from the actual shooting or whatever. So like glued to the board or just like No, 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 no. On? It was just like it was just like the expose. Okay, yeah, yeah. And and they kind of did a thing in the magazine that coincided with it. And that Charles Bronson thing when they did that, I mean, of course it's not really anything like it, but it that reminded me of that like back then. I remember thinking like, ah, and I, it probably is not a nod to that at all, but I just remember that was the one thing that again just as a youthful memory that just kind of came to me yeah that that was something that yeah it just reminded me of it yeah no it definitely it definitely is like you know like it evokes a a time where i don't know like it just felt like that kind of performance art like aggression like i don't know just guns felt uh a little less dangerous for some reason <laughs> i think what it is too is i associate because even, uh, I think it's the Repos or Ropes, I can't remember what, but I believe it's Repos who did that live munitions record, which is also on Youth Attack, um, which I believe, I know it has all weapons, but I think there's like guns on it as well. Anyway, the layout's incredible. I believe he did the layout. So in my head, there was always these subconscious things about like, <laughs> these crazy weapons and guns. I just thought, these guys are are like into that this is like but i i loved it so it's kind of funny i think it's just been in the back of my head so that illusion was was a, a little bit of dismantled for me but anyway yeah i can see that I can see, <laughs> i'm not a gun guy which is okay i'm not really a gun guy either so um uh but yeah no i guess uh next point i kind of wanted to go into unless you have a point is, no no i want to talk about the first place i heard them which is the I well, I heard it on the No More Dick Jokes comp. Okay, it came I don't out. Know but that. Uh, have you heard that CD? No, no. It's a compilation of that of the All That and a Bag of Dicks comp, and okay. the uh, Double Dose of Dicks, Double Seven Inch comp. <laughs> uh, Great titles. Yep. Yeah. This is <laughs> this was of course uh, the label uh, Disgruntled Records, which was. 
uh, run by the mentioned in the episode, uh, great guy, John Aaron's from Charles Bronson. Very cool guy. Also played in a 14 or fight later on. Uh, but very, very funny guy. And so yeah, did this label that, you know, it doesn't look like they're going for very serious kind of tones with it. With yeah. the names of those comps, but that CD compilation has dozens of songs, including I Can't Be Your Friend Anymore because you like a band on an epitaph and also Charles Bronson's amazing cover of Last Warning by Agnostic Front. Um, but yeah, if you're the, you got to check out these comps, Chris. I have not checked out those comps. I'm curious if, if the, so you're saying it's someone from 14 and Fight who put that out initially? Yeah, and, and he's also in Charles Bronson, John Aaron's. Oh, okay. Because there was, mustn't have been him, but there was someone from 14 and Fight who came out. I remember to see us play. At, in Arizona? Yeah, yeah. Played, it was Frank from 14 or Fight, the singer. There we go, yeah. Who also played anyway, in MK Ultra. Yes, okay, so shout out. Very cool. Also a Hawks fan. Big up. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. Humble brag. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know these comps. I'm trying to find them as I'm doing this. With if you go to you Charles Bronson and you go to the comps on the resource. Yeah, that's what I'm in now. But and I singles can't. EPs. And then it's like you can see, for some reason, the double 7-inch doesn't come up when you do that. But if you click on Disgruntled Records, you'll see the comps. I still don't see Disgruntled. I'm doing all these things that you're saying. but Oh, there we go. I found Disgruntled now. Okay. So, actually, I do see the comp now. You're just better at the resource than I am. Um, okay, yeah, no, fuck, I don't have this. I haven't even seen this. 97 it came out? Yeah. Of course, there's a, a ton of bands on it. There are so cool. many bands. It's all yeah. Chicago and Chicago area kind of bands. Well, I guess so this, Dillinger 4 has a Chicago This was Chicago one of the connection. first things you heard of. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'd never seen this. Yeah, this was the first place I heard actually so many bands. <laughs> like so many of those Chicago bands that I love. Um, including the band Jesus, who have the last song in this comp, which title doesn't need to be repeated on the air. Uh, you can go look it up yeah. yourself. But uh, a great, unbelievable band. The lyrics of those song are like, you know, uh, pretty pretty actually powerful and stuff. So it's a, it's a band worth checking out. And so there's that. So you said there's two comps of this? I'm just looking up trying to find... So the yeah, the next one, one down yeah. is the double... Uh, they're both comped on that CD, but that double dose of dicks. <laughs> okay, yeah. Double dose of dicks, double seven-inch, disgruntled records, 98. Yeah, look at this comp. Yeah. It's actually a pretty sick comp. Like, look at that lineup. Yeah, it looks pretty decent, too. Um, but yeah, cool. No, I, I never knew these. This is not... I don't even remember where... I first heard this group or or what have you. The CD was definitely, whenever that came out, I think I knew them prior to that. But I remember it was a big deal to get that for me at the time, but I don't know why I would have known their reps so hard already. Maybe I did have one of those records. I have a very foggy recollection of this, but anyway, cool group. I guess the one you could kind of get was the six-week seven-inch, like the third seven-inch. Yeah, like that the split and the demo, I guess, first, but then like the real first seven inch was like six weeks. Um, had it kind of impressed, right? Yeah, like what I, I believe. What other music actually get over too? 
I definitely didn't have it in 95. I'm just trying to think of where I would have got it, but it did get repressed here, it says, a few times. So, um, most six-week stuff, though, was accessible, because I remember running into it at any variety of places. Um, but, yeah, anyway, regardless. Um, sick band, but I don't know... That comp, yeah, that's crazy that you heard of him from that, though. I am just, I really don't remember where I heard of him from. It's too bad. I wish I had a, a like a vivid recollection. Yeah, there. I wish I, uh, I wish I had more of these records. <laughs> I always got, thought, got a pretty good collection, but not all of them. That's for sure. I always thought it was funny that they just used the name Charles Bronson, and that never seemed to be an issue. <laughs> At least that that was ever reported. Well, that's not his real name either, right? I guess, but just like the character, you'd figure that's got to be owned. Like, it just seems like... But it's like, it's not a character. It's like, that's his, like, that's like his, the actor. Agreed, but I mean, like, everything about it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the actor, like, he didn't raise an issue, although I don't know... He died in, like, 96, I think, right? 96. Yeah, so maybe he had already passed. But you figure even, I don't know, maybe the estate, but then again, some of these records probably weren't reaching... A wide enough, yeah, you know, whatever audience by that time. Yeah, you'd have to be um, a real narc to like call up the estate of Charles <laughs> Bronson and be like, "Yo," but he took his name for the Bronson Gate when he was walking by it. I guess according to legend, when he went to the Paramount Studios for an audition. Wow. Um, which is yeah, I love I love fucking Charles Bronson movies. Yes, Death Wish are the the necessary watching. Yeah. Have you uh, seen the remake? No. I can't when, imagine no, it's good. No, God no. Even if it's good, it like it just shouldn't have been done. Yeah. Like, just um anyway, yeah, so I'm trying to think what else we can get to here. The one thing I wanted to mention before I forget, is related slash not, is when he's talking about what was the story where he had decoded the the phone number thing and he called like that's Dude, insane. That's the fucking craziest story ever. That's the story yeah. I wanted to get to. Yeah. That's crazy, eh? To get to Todd from FYP. Yeah, actually, oh yeah, okay, so that's a good one. That unraveled nicely. Um so FYP, I would not have thought that that would have been an association. I don't remember no thinking of those two bands together, but it's kind of cool because I do see what he says in the interview and I I liked like both of those groups, and I liked them at that time. But it's funny, I never put them together. I gotta get Todd on the show, man, because that guy's gotta be like, you know, like, what dude can link, like, professional skateboarding, propagandi, um, you know, uh, Charles Bronson, I guess Fat Mike, really, too, because, like, you know? (laughs) Yeah, little-known guy named Fat Mike. (laughs) Little guy named Fat Mike, but, like, I mean, you know, I love FYP, too. That band is fucking amazing. Yes, and I, I think they were similarly provoking in a bit of a different way, but I, I get the idea of them being similar, though, in terms of like that cynical tone. But I think it was like FYP's was more, I don't know, socially conscious or however you want to say that. Um, I, w- I would have never in my fucking life um, made that they were associated. No, and that's that's what blows me away. That That's part of the things that you get out of some of these interviews that I think I'm most um whatever amazed by is that there are like even looking at <clears throat> the resource presently i'm looking at you know his sort of uh 
whatever releases and then Charles Bronson and the fact that I'm just looking here now yeah they don't have a split or anything like no no, no there's no like there's a, no connection between the two as far as I know yeah which is wild because even when he the other thing that blew my mind is when he drops the uh um I think he mentioned swallowing shit right yeah yeah, which is was who the hell's band was that? Because that wasn't that someone from FYP, or was just someone, or was Todd? No, it's, it's it's no, that's they did. It's someone from Propagandi. Okay, it's Todd from Propagandi. Okay, so that's a wrong Todd, or is the same Todd? Different Todd. Okay, <laughs> that's but they did a split with Propagandi. Yes, before Todd was in the band. Yeah, it's when it was so still it, John K. Samson, because that's it's basically a split with John K. Samson. It's basically a split with the weaker thens. Which record's that, then? Hold on, you're blowing my mind here. So what's the Swallowing Shit split? With pro- I, mean, I, I don't. No, there's a Propagandi FYP split. Okay, I have that, like the 10-inch you're talking about? No, no, that's the I Spy Propagandi split. Oh, I'm confused. <laughs> Which does feature a member of Swallowing Shit. True, okay, so we're, uh, yeah, we're getting... But have you lot. heard this uh, Thank Heaven for Little Boys Letter of Resignation split 7-inch? Yeah, I have it. So uh, that's the split. Okay, yeah. So the FYP, I do have that. Yeah, and that's the that's the better version of Letter Resignation as well. Yeah, it's the best one. And like, really, that's like because I think that might even predate the Painted Thin John K. Samson split. So that's really the first week of them's recording. Yeah, I, like I he did like I think a solo record or whatever that might have predated all that, but. Um, like it never really kind of came out. It was like this recording, from what I remember of the time. But uh, anyway, yeah, the fact that we're even talking about the weaker thens in relation to talking about Mark McCoy, dude, you know, so nuts. Yeah, which also probably would slightly bum out Mark McCoy. <laughs> no, but, I, uh, I think he'd be like stoked that you know, like that we can kind of get there through him. <laughs> I don't know if he would be, but I'm amused nonetheless. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, I think I think for me, like when he told me that FYP thing, I can't believe I forgot that until you brought it up. Thanks for bringing it up because it was like, yeah, that's why we do this goddamn thing, Chris. <laughs> that's why we fight. <laughs> yeah, it was wild, and and I guess what what I what I mean to touch on here, um, speaking of all that, I was more impressed just by that randomness of of whatever rearranging the numbers him call dude that's crazy that. that's next level psycho shit <laughs> which it, it just in and of itself is wild but while we're on the topic fyp i think is a group that um i don't know i don't know if they're lost to time entirely but i don't hear people speak about them all that much in the circles that we inhabit i think it's because we're in canada and they never made it here you know, but like I think, like in the states, in certain areas, like you know, certain scenes, they're like, yeah. you know, given their proper not maybe you know they obviously do, could do with more do. All of us could do with more do, but like they are certainly kind of like talked with like reverence in, in in certain circles. That's for sure. Like, but you're right. Like here, they never came up here, right? So we never got to see them. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't think they. May, I don't know how much they did on the East Coast even. They have a lot of records too. They have like what six full lengths. That's crazy. Dude, it, yeah, like let's. Oh man, like that's this is awesome that we're doing this now because like I've always wanted to do a deep dive on this discography because like, dude, like the record labels that they're on obviously recess records, but also like Theologian. Yeah, that K. They did a K record. Wow. What's the? Isn't Jason some crazy label too? Isn't that uh? 
No, I'm off base. I don't know what that is. I thought that was someone's somewhere labeled that. Label, but it, I might be confusing it with someone. But that um, was nuts. I did yeah. not know that they did a K record. That's crazy. Yeah, they're like they're like you know. I would say for pop punk, we've had this conversation before about like the, uh, you know, like the Dillinger Four kind of sphere of pop punk, like the 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 uh, grad school pop punk, like pop punk that it's okay to like. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, pop punk. It's okay to to you know serve when company comes over. Um, <laughs> but I would say FYP is definitely in that rarefied air of like super intelligent pop punk, like the bands they did splits with, like. You know, just shows like, you know, they were kind of like, you know, they did a split with the Grumpies. I'm just trying to find something here because I'm looking at that um, that K record and it, the credit here on it says it was recorded in Hermosa Beach. Where were they from? They're from down there. Oh, so they are from like that. I yeah, because he's like, I, like, you know, you know more about skateboarding than I do, so. I'm not that familiar with the skateboarding career, but like I think he's a Southern California skateboarder, but they're definitely like okay. Southern California. Okay. I never I I don't know. I don't know where they were from. I always thought they would they were from like probably Minnesota or something. I had no idea that uh Okay, so that makes a little more sense now. I think it's because of propaganda, I think I just assumed Yeah. They must be near, so they must be in, you know, slight well, as nearby as you can be to Winnipeg, which is not very near to most places, but um, anyway, this is crazy, yeah. But I, I certainly would have never, ever associated FYP and Charles Bronson. Yeah, I would never, uh, I never in my life until he said it, like, you know, and especially the way he found it out and stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, there, there are, they are definitely, uh, a cool, that's a cool connection. Also, so Recess was their own thing, right? Yeah, that's Todd's label. Yeah. Um, and Recess has actually done a lot of neat stuff too. Yeah. No, Recess is a is a badass label. Like Recess is the reason I had Dwarfs records. Yeah, it's true. They even did because uh, they which did they do any original Dwarfs records? I can't remember. I guess they did. It looks like here. Because I remember the reissues they did. Well, at least the CDs. I don't know if they did vinyl of it, but I remember them doing like the I think it's Free Cocaine they did, which is like a collection. Yeah. That's the one I, that was the first one I had. Even yeah. though I could, you know, the Sub Pop record was obviously around, but. And weird. There's a CD version of The Doors Are Young and Good Looking that's yeah. on Theologian and Recess. Yeah, because that was Recess and Theologian were like partnerly. I love that Theologian would be an interesting one to kind of get yeah, into. Yeah, but didn't, what I'm confused about is the same, so is this, because Epitaph did that record too, so I guess they did it. After? I made it before Epitaph did it. Yeah, I guess. Wow, I didn't know that. But just before. So that, yeah, I always thought the association happened posthumously, but I guess, anyway, cool. The more you learned, yeah, Free Cocaine, that that, that CD in, from 98, which is essential, and Lick It, there's the other one. That's the 83 to 86, also essential. Classic Dwarves stuff. Yep. Um, not, I mean, maybe the best. But I don't know. I like some of the, the other things that fall later, but definitely really, really essential stuff. Um, anyway, I don't know where we're going with this. It's just great. No, it's, I, I was going to say also like Theologian, Pessimizer, and Recess. Uh, you know, like what a cool trio of labels. Yeah. 
That's definitely the the low key Damien. Uh, I don't know what you'd say. Yeah, is like, Pantheon the right word? Yeah, that's like well, I've got all my bases <laughs> covered right there, right? Like, yeah. I got my I got my like Tagger metal. I got my like Stoner core. Yeah, I got my my pop punk. Yeah, and I got my Pennywise. <laughs> I'm actually sitting here right now, Chris, holding in my hand uh, both my copies of the first Pennywise seven inch. So. Weird. I dug those out today to listen to them. So, I'll come hey. back to the P Dubs. Hey, <laughs> I've never heard anyone call them P Dubs. That's incredible. Oh, I'm, I'm never going to call them that to their face. <laughs> okay, so we've done recess. I think we've scoured. Unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on, we probably should talk about the Barry episode a little bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. We definitely should talk about the Barry episode because that is a fucking killer one too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Barry Hensler came on the show. I kind of got into it, but I met him a couple years ago, well, 10 years ago now or something, went to his place, hung out, and then sort of finally get to, you know, really sit down and talk to him. It's a, you know, a dream come true. Necros, I kind of think, you know, set this tone, you know, that I think you, Mark McCoy and and all these people kind of fall into. I, I, they do, I'm 90% sure Charles Bronson do a Necros cover, actually. Um, I don't know. Let me just see if we can pull it up. They must. I know they do the Neos, obviously, but... They do the Neos, which is weirdly enough... Well, not weirdly enough. It's it's more obscure, arguably, but, um... I'm trying to find... On the actual records, they tend to credit them, but on that... CD, I think they do IQ32, I think, on the Oh, LP. sorry, you're right. It That's on something, but that is also... Yeah, that's right. It's definitely showing on the CD version, so I don't know which one they do. It's on, on. the LP. Okay. Um, so they do, you're right, yeah. And so, like, you know, obviously you can see that influence is being worn fairly, obviously, on the sleeve with that. Um, so, yeah, it's a great one-two punch. And also, Barry lives in Chicago now, so it's a perfect one-two punch. Um, as a follow-up, uh, Barry, of course, staying in the Necros, uh, also Big Chief. But for us on Turn Out of Punk, like, another super cool thing is that Motor Booty Fancy. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, Chris, but what a killer zine. I'm not, and I was disappointed that I wasn't because what little he spoke of it in the interview piqued my interest greatly. And I think, like you, I think probably a future obsession is just going to be like trying to buy up all that kind of stuff, which thankfully I've not begun and I don't have space. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as I get more bored and more eccentric with age, I'm sure that will be uh, where I'm headed. But yeah, I, I don't have. Do you have any of these? I've got like about six issues. Okay. Um, I would love to actually find out how many there were in total and see all their covers. But I'm 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 like looking at some stuff online right now. But they they were yeah. beautiful zines, like like Mad Magazine. Like it looked like Mad Magazine. Um, and it was uh fantastic. Kind of like some hilarious stuff in there. Um, you know, it was National Lampoon meets the Mad Magazine. So it says here there were nine issues published between 87 and 99. So that's not a lot. That's no. great. That's no. attainable, which makes me very happy. Yeah. There's like great interviews in every single one and, and cool, cool interview, like cool stuff about like movies. Like, fuck, they're writing about Guy Madden and like, you know, Pedro Bell, like the artist who did uh, Funkadelic stuff. You yeah, know. that's super. When he started talking about that, I was very impressed because I, 
for the time period too. It's weird. Weirdly enough, I had just recently watched, and I highly recommend. Um, in general, I recommend the show, but there, there's a recent episode. The the show is the Mike Judge Tales from the Tour Bus, which is excellent. Yep, fantastic. Uh, um, but the newest season, I don't know if you've seen any of the newest season, which is all first season's all like outlaw country and that kind of stuff. Second season is all like funk soul and whatnot. And they actually do a, a like a P funk, like a George Clinton centric episode, which is incredible. But um, so I had recently watched that, and I was did like you know just just feeling it so when i listened to this interview was kind of the perfect timing for it but when he was talking about that from that that zine i thought man that's cool like for the for the era to be like really into that stuff to like you know talk about it and whatnot um yeah i'm really impressed i gotta track these down because i think they'd be right up my alley oh 100 when good bands start to suck the article is hilarious (laughs) i liked everything like just the way he quoted uh I can't quote him, but the idea when he was talking about the people that did it came from hardcore, liked hardcore, but if you liked hardcore now, like that wasn't cool. Like, I just thought that was hilarious, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know what he means by that, <laughs> like completely. But uh, I just thought it was a great, great uh, position to take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's funny. Like in like the dude, they're referencing Void in like. You know, like talking about how great Void was, and like you know, let's be honest, like it took hardcore a couple of years before everyone caught up to how fucking amazing Void was. Like obviously people yeah. knew, but like for it to become like, oh, Void's actually probably the best DC band. Yeah, the other thing I want to solicit while we're on this, since we have listeners, um, is I have not seen these. So if you know of any source online that someone has taken the time that I'm too lazy to research at the minute, please feel free to write us. And uh, send links or what have you. I would very much appreciate it at turnedupunkfootnotes at gmail.com. But anyway, sorry. Continue there, Dave. Yeah, no, there's uh, it, it's a, uh, it's good. Like, not, not everything in it ages 100% well no, in the fine. current day. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for, for zines of the time, like, I don't know for sure because I think, I don't know if Sarush mentioned them in that episode, but I, they, they definitely must have been an influence on Vice in some way. Well, I would think like there's probably you know a handful that you could name that arguably are responsible for, if not Vice directly, but like the zeitgeist of whatever like Vice is or spawned. Yeah, and I, yeah, think, I think like they have later issues too. Now that I'm looking at, it. I need some of these early ones. Yeah, and so you know, there's definitely very infamous you know whatever indie publications or zines, whatever you want to say, from the '90s that are, are all, although this started in the '80s, but. Um, Anyway, yeah, I'm very curious to see it or, or see it read, uh, pardon me, uh, issues, but I don't have any. If I you Google uh, Motor Booty, uh, the first thing that comes up is a, uh, I guess, the Comics Journal feature about it. Okay. Um, that's that's pretty fantastic and like a pretty exhaustive kind of look at, not exhaustive because there's definitely a lot more that could be done, obviously, but um, but it's got a good overview of it. Yeah, they do look really good too. I'm just seeing a couple of oh, uh, gorgeous, yeah, covers. yeah, yeah. Like it, 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 it was a zine that you know, like they said, like it was a nerdy zine. Yeah, uh, I like that the tag is the better magazine. Yeah, I also feel like, uh, and I don't know what year this started, but I believe it would have had to have been later. But I, I, there's a vibe of this that I feel like Chunklet definitely. Oh, hundred. <laughs> from 
A hundred percent. I'm sure Henry would admit that. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not even saying that as like a, you know, a slight at all. I just mean like I think that's cool. I think that's probably why, like that's the kind of thing I like is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that that like, you know, like you can see this influence of Mad Magazine in this, and like the fact that everyone influences everyone is amazing. Fuck, yeah. these things are expensive online. <laughs> I'm doomed. <laughs> Issue six is eighty bucks Canadian. Well, yeah. On Amazon. Times are tough. Times are tough. Times are tough. Times are tough indeed. Uh, so what? Uh, to be a paper collector. <laughs> off motor booty though. What? Uh, any points you want to get to specifically or whatever offhand? Oh shit! No, Chris. There are actually there's a bunch of cheap ones on on eBay right now. <laughs> Damien is lost. I'm lost. Table. I'm lost. Sorry. Uh, what points did I want to get to from this episode? Uh, I don't know, Chris. There's like so much to get into. I guess like the first thing that's kind of worth getting into is like I love the idea of the Necros as these young kids, you know, like at the at the the format. I guess even before like we get into that, that'll come up later. But like, is this the best, you know, uh, pre-punk journey of any guest so far? In what sense? I don't like know. He what. saw the Grateful Dead at the only acceptable pe- acceptable period to like them <laughs> when he's four years old. Yeah, you know, and then he sees Pink Floyd just after the only acceptable period to like them, <laughs> but like still when it's kind of the hangover of that period when yeah. he's fucking seven. Yeah, I mean those are pretty unreal. Um, I'm not. A- fan really of either of those groups you mentioned so i don't i I think it's an interesting tale but um yeah i don't know i guess i was more intrigued by his his love for alice cooper and i i share his feelings on that um Um, i also disagree slightly i mean maybe because someone who's older would would have a, a greater perspective than I, but I, you know, welcome to my nightmare is not horrible <laughs> at all. So, yeah. But you heard when he gets off horrible. hardcore, like, you know, I think it's yeah. like, you Which know, but also dude, he saw the grateful dead at four years old, like on the period yeah. where they still had pig pens. So they still had like the, as you said, the biker dude in the band, you yeah. know, and, and they were still doing like hard garage rock stuff too. Uh, you know, and so like, you know, like I think he, he he probably would have been jaded. Like it's like that music expert episode of the of the best <laughs> show, but like I, yeah. in real life. Yes. Yeah, I do feel that uh, you know two of your recent guests certainly are almost that, but real life. Uh, um, and of course, it was this one, and then there's more. But uh, yeah, I don't, know. I don't say that. it's crazy. Like his journey's nuts. I think like some of that is is something that you know it's just like privilege of age, I suppose. But, I think it's also uh, his parents too, right? Though, like his dad, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, his dad like looking at the Sex Pistols review and being like, "We need to hear this as a family." <laughs> yeah, that is wild. That is definitely like super cool because you would figure that, that most people would have not been feeling that at all. Yeah, um, yeah. Although it's funny that consistently because I can't remember who else. There has been other guests. I even maybe it was mentioned again in the Thurston Moore one. It's some of the other ones where the guests of that age bracket sort of talk about how much because you read about it in books now, but I always 
feel like it's probably been a bit sensationalized uh, for the sake of like the the whatever the myth, but like that that the Sex Pistols things w- was like them coming to America specifically was as big as it was. Mm-hmm. I always just figured that was like told a little taller when you read books that were sort of centric to the myth of keeping it you know huge, but it does seem to be that that really did kind of. Uh, you know, it, it hit squares on the news and stuff. Like it wasn't, like that was not uh, embellished to the degree I expected that it was. Oh yeah, like I don't think there's, you know, like maybe like I don't know. The, the there's nothing really comparable that's happened since. But like the fear of punk, like you could see those uh, those the morning shows. Like there's the footage of it in the Filth and the Fury, Julian Temple, amazing yeah. Sex Pistols documentary. Great, where, great, yeah. Yeah, but those American morning shows where they're talking in fear about the Sex Pistols coming. I just like, I, for some reason in my head, though, I still thought, like, even that, like, yeah, you, you feel like that, that, that was presented, but I just didn't, you know, you don't feel like the average family was hearing about this or something, but yet it seems to be from people of that era that, yeah, it, in fact, was that as the story would dictate. Anyway, it's, a, it's neither here nor there, but yeah. Yeah, like, I, uh, I don't know, like, and also the fact that he was going to these punk shows so young, right? Like, he was there just as it's hidden. Yeah. Um, seeing everything. Also, there, another part of this interview that I loved, because you two bonded over disliking London Calling, um, <laughs> which, I think, which I think is, like, a very, uh, very turned out a punk talking point of, of all the tropes of the show. It's certainly... Clash Sex Pistols, Clash in general, and then you could like to say like Fugazi, some other things. But uh, I'm going to say the unpopular opinion. I think it's a good record. I don't think it's nearly as good as the others like prior, but I, I like that record. I think that record sold like a bajillion copies. So if anything, we're saying the unpopular opinion. No, no, but I'm talking like I'm talking from the punk, like your our world view, the punk centric idea of it. Yeah, which my my opinion is less vogue in this sense for sure but i still think it's a good record in hindsight like it's it's certainly not you know the the earlier records but i don't think it's a crap record i really don't no it's not a crap record i definitely don't think it's a crap record like um you know especially compared to you know any other band's catalog i think the thing is i just think those first records are promising something different Um, for sure for sure but also something that i think is is fulfilled you know, by other bands, eventually. Yeah, agreed. I just think like if you actually, <clears throat> from a nerdy standpoint, break down some of those songs on that record, like yes, you still have some weird pop moments, which I do think as a record are good. If you you know, if you're looking outside of the, the oh, view yeah. of a, a narrow narrow view of only, punk only standpoint, but I do think like some of the some of the songs on that are, are massively overlooked, like songs like Coca Cola and like. Those kind of songs are just like, to me, not only lyrically next level, but like they're very punk in nature. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I just thought it was amusing that you two could bond over that, and I, I, I always love like that has that same kind of uh, whatever very specific opinion about something. Yeah, well, I think, I don't know, I find it funny how many times these opinions do come up, and I find it also awesome that there are these, like, 
Beatles or the Rolling Stones type things in punk. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, not that record. Like, you know, it's like the... Like, not that Tusk is obviously more universally panned uh, than London Calling, but the fact that this is almost like the Tusk of the Clash's catalog to punk purists. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> like, oh, I get off. Like, Rumors is great, but London Calling sucks. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Uh... Anyway, that I thought it was a good point. I'm trying to think of what else, what other points I want to jump on here because he had some really good stuff. I thought the um, the stuff about going to Cleveland for the pagans and the drone stuff I thought was so that sick. was nuts. It's not. It's just like it's almost unfair doing these when I, those kind of episodes come up because or like those kind of stories because like I, I can't even can't even imagine like that. I don't know. I'm just. But I kind of think it's cool that he would have seen it <laughs> also after the gold rush, like. You know, he's seen the pagans. Like, obviously, the pagans went on, like, well into the 80s and, and, and yeah. after. Um, but at the same time, like, he's seeing them after they would have, like, been putting out all those killer singles. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's nuts. Even actually, <clears throat> speaking of stories, like, that that whole, like, seeing Minor Threat story with the Circle Jerks and that whole thing is nuts. Like the fact that he's describing Minor Threat as being so good, they blew away Circle Jerks, even though Circle Jerks had a whatever fill-in drummer or someone he was mentioning. But like, just it's insane. Like it's it's just insane. I, I don't like. I thought, uh, oh, we can discuss this. This is I thought was a really good point, and I think it's kind of wild. And your reaction during the interview actually stated, I think, everything that that needs to be said. But. Uh, the fact that he thought Negative Approach were an underrated band still, yeah, is kind of insane. Like, because those records for me totally stand up. But, oh, absolutely! Like those records sound great. Like they, yeah. they, 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 the songs are all there. But man, that band must have been good live. Well, yeah, exactly. And you could see, like, there's a lot of groups. I mean, that of course you and I maybe did not see. Well, not maybe, not maybe, did not see, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, especially in their original in, incarnations, let's say, or the original eras. But, you know, some of the records, like, we could parse, if we were really parsing, you know, splitting hairs or doing whatever, we could, you could probably isolate certain records and go, you know, I wish, like, you know, some of the songs are outstanding, but I wish this record sounded a little different or whatever. But we would still not, you know, Negative Approach would not be on that list. You know, like for me anyway, like I wouldn't even have thought of that, like in general. Yeah. So the fact that, that he thought that they were that much better than those records, I just, I can't imagine. Well, like, it's, it's funny. Cause like, have you, you seen the footage of them playing why be something that you're not right. You know, that, yeah, TV, yeah. you know, that TV well, show that they did in Detroit. I've, I know. No, it's that they're playing a TV show. Okay, it's no, the coolest thing ever. Like if you if you uh, look it up, it's negative approach. Why be something that you're not? Detroit 1982 is the name of the file, and it's a 24 minute <laughs> set of them playing on <laughs> yeah. th- that TV show. Uh, there's also like I think the Misfits did one. I think the Necros did one. Um, maybe did Black Flag do ones too? So they interview like the band on the couch at one point and <laughs> they're all super young, right? Like John's got a shaved head, but the footage of when they're playing in it, 
don't know. Like, is it like, is this like the first like hardcore band uh, that like, I don't know, like where the guys passing the mic to the people in the crowd, like the guys like, I don't know. This feels like different watching them play than any band that's kind of like up until that point. I don't know. It would be hard to compare based on years. There would be a lot more people that are much deeper than me, certainly, that you could parse that with. Offhand, I don't know. But yeah, like, of the live footage I've seen, it's like, oh, yeah, it's wild. Like, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never thought of that. Like, it's almost like the idea where negative approach one of the first hardcore bands of the people, if you will. Are also are they the first American oi band? Hmm, that's a contentious topic you're going to bring up there. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Do they when? What is the? Uh, do they predate Iron Cross or no? I think the single comes out. Ooh. I can't remember. People are screaming. If any of the actual crazy heads listen to this, that you know, and I sort of know, they're they're screaming at the. Uh, you know. It's not just about them, Chris. It's ultimately <laughs> yeah, just about me. I know. I just mean like offhand, I don't know. I feel like <clears throat> that single probably came out before this, before the first Nate Approach 7-inch meeting. But, but uh, uh, I'm sure probably some crazy, obscure, like I don't know when like the cycle. They're both 82. Both 82. Skin of Glory and the, and the 7-inch. Uh, yeah, they're both 82. Same year, huh? I mean, like, I, you yeah. know, obviously I'm being, like, you know, a little ridiculous by saying they're the first Oi band, because they're not, like, consciously an Oi band, but, like, I think that almost makes them more of an Oi band. Do you band. say, no, no, you said American Oi band, though. American Oi band, that's what I meant. But, okay. I mean, like... Yeah. I was like, yeah, because that, but, you're... <laughs> but, like, you know, and, like, uh, you know, obviously Iron Cross is wearing it way more on their sleeve, <clears> but yeah. ultimately they're doing, like, an American interpretation of a British thing. Whereas, like, Negative Approach is yeah. doing something that's, like, 100%, like, American, but informed by a British thing. I agree, and I, I think that's part of the, the greatness of the legacy of Negative Approach, 100%. Um, and also that, referencing that Iron Cross, you, the things you just mentioned, that is actually clarified for us on the interview you did with Dante. Yep. Uh, whatever, two years ago. Or so live, and uh, so we're not, not, you know, you're not speaking out of school on that. Um, but uh, not that I think anyone would accuse you of. But yeah, I don't know. I, I know what you're getting at. I just, I'm too tired to think of things where my brain is like being being quick enough to cite anything else at the minute. And then also, you know, I don't know. I I, I do think you're onto something though. I think that is part of the appeal with negative approach. Mm-hmm. Like I think, like it's because it's not quite that, but is that, and it's a distinctly American version of that, which I feel perhaps didn't exist, you know, before that, or you know, however you want to frame any of this stuff. I think there are some of those. There, there are some groups to history that have always had that. I think, you know, arguably, you know, Agnostic Front is an obvious other one, but I, I think you could leave like names like that. You know, like Cold as Life, original Cold as Life has a unique. They're not certainly the first, but they have a very unique origin. Yeah, like it's, it's like, like that's like American and, American oi in the sense that it's like American working yeah. class rock and roll. Yes, and it and it and it 
obviously is influenced by, but does not live to ape, you know, the the stuff from out of country inherently, which I think it's kind of, I don't know. It's a real, this is an interesting topic. I don't know. I don't want to, I'm no expert on it. <laughs> I'm just saying that much, but I'm with you. I think you're onto something with the negative approach thing. It's something I've subconsciously felt for a long time myself, that there's a weird, distinctly American, almost like particularly like the, the John Brandon of the era is just, you know, an, a, you know, an, an enigma. That's why it's funny how he's described <laughs> in that interview. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not how I perceived him. Uh, when that when yeah no definitely definitely not <laughs> um, yeah uh, uh, where do you want to go next uh, where to next let's see um, boy oh boy you guys talk about a lot of stuff that I just like starvation army I've never gotten into so I can't wax about that dude he he just um, like late like you know tell me what you really think about <laughs> about uh just you and him talking again it should have been you and him talking dissecting his episode that should have been the footnote um <laughs> i think the uh i think that the it's really funny again that this is the second episode in recent weeks that discusses the soldier seven inch yeah and I, I don't know if that's like again distinctly of an era. I, are, are him and Thurston the same age or around the same age? I think it must be. Maybe Thurston's slightly older. Uh, yeah, like a year or so. There's there's some of the the things that they discuss that are near. The, the, I guess we have to talk about the briefly at least. I feel like the Ramones anecdote. I think like the the I'm talking about like Johnny being like slightly bearded. Yes. <laughs> really fun to me for some reason. I love that. It is great. And uh I like the idea that Joe Jackson was humbled by the Ramones. Yeah. I would have never thought I mean it makes sense, but just like that it was like this weird acknowledgement when he discusses the show. I just never weren't people that clearly came after them generationally that were influenced by them. I didn't expect that, you know, I don't know. I just wouldn't have expected Joe Jackson to be, you know, hold them in any regard. You know what I mean? I would, I would have thought like bills of that era, if they were chucked on a show like that, they would play and like either the audience would be adverse to it or like the, whoever they opened for would just be like, what's this? You know, and just think it was just some kind of gimmick that wasn't, their thing so yeah that was kind of neat to see hear that that anecdote yeah like i i i kind of you know i i don't know i don't think i was that shocked that joe jackson liked them because they would have been you know you listen to joe jackson that guy kind of rips yeah but it's still i don't know perhaps it's my disassociation from the era that i don't see them in the same you know whatever respect and Mm -hmm. and like like maybe that's on me, but I just, I don't know. It was nice to hear, but I just, I'm always shocked. Cause I, I, I consider like the Ramones like incredibly important and in a band I love, but just very, very like, uh, uh, an acquired taste despite their popularity. Mm-hmm. So anytime that, you know, someone I feel is a bit outside of that circle acknowledges it. I'm always shocked. Nowadays you see it all the time because 
you know, their legacy is what it is. And like wearing that t-shirt doesn't even represent, you know, that anymore in a way. But I don't know. Of that era, I'm just shocked to hear it. It would be like, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a band as an example. Anyway, this is, I'm just ranting because it's late. But uh, I don't know. Do you have another point here, my friend? Well, yeah, no, I think I think that with them, they like, you know, you look at Bruce Springsteen, like, doing songs for him, right? Like, yeah, they they definitely kind of cut, you know, like, uh, like a deep kind of groove, I think. And a lot of people, I don't know, like, I think Joe Jackson probably would have felt like his success is kind of owed to their breaking through. Yeah, that's, years actually, that's earlier, a very maybe. Good, I don't know. That's a very good point, too. No, that's a good point. I think that maybe that there's something to that, too. Um, uh, I love the idea that this was like there was this time where, you know, they're going out hanging with Alec Mackay and like, then they're going to New York and it's like this is like where you're seeing like the the formation of a scene, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that East Coast hardcore kind of like, you know, connectivity that still exists today, like you know, and West Coast obviously as well, but like, just like the Midwest to the East Coast, like the 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 fact that all these bands we're hanging around with each other and going to each other's practices. I think that's super cool. Yeah. I thought, I think his story about seeing SOA practice, but never having seen them like technically live was an interesting, (laughs) interesting story. I don't know how many times these days people like go to bands rehearsals. I certainly would have zero interest in that. Um, but yeah, I guess it makes sense. I thought the fact that he liked Henry as the best, and this is no, shade to anybody that ever fronted this group at all but I, I was shocked based on his you know age or whatever that that henry was his guy for black flag yeah no i didn't i didn't like that was weird because it's like normally you hear the opposite right yeah well and especially like i i he, he hedged it nicely though because he's i guess friends with all the people involved or whatever but i i just was like you you normally hear you know of people of a certain they hold one of the vocalists in high regard or higher regard i i agree like it's one thing it's weird though like from i guess being younger experiencing black flag i see how the zeitgeist of of henry looms and so for me that's what you know i think of in my head um i don't know if i'd consider my favorite but it's hard to acknowledge that he perhaps isn't the best yeah, like we had we had this discussion. Like, unless you were like fucking Steve McDonald, you yeah. know, or or like you know someone that was there, yeah, you know, like Henry's your Black Flag singer, yeah, you know, like I could I definitely listen to the other singers more, but like, you know, I can't claim like Henry's the guy that did the did the time with that band and like, you know, by all accounts, like embodied it. Like, dude, he beat up Fletcher from fucking Pennywise. <laughs> like yeah, who who else can say that yeah yeah true from what i hear I, maybe an elephant <laughs> there's some story about an elephant maybe but like very few yes but uh i don't remember why we brought that up or why i brought it up but um oh yeah i was just surprised based on him being close to that that he was adamant i do think his point about the physicality brought by by rollins was was very uh Poignant. 
Yeah, like that's where it's like you know, and and obviously they all had presence of of different sure, yeah, types, yeah. right? Like, um, but like Henry is the one that like from the sound, like that's the stories you hear, right? Like it's Henry that's like attacking the crowd, and Henry that was like the beast on the stage, like. Yo, I love Keith. I fucking love Keith Morris to death. And I love the circle jerks to death. But like, yeah. I, you know, like his presence on stage is definitely a completely different energy and doesn't have that menace. Agreed. That Henry would have brought. Yep. Agreed. I don't think any of the other vocalists had, or since, no. have, like, since, depending on your consideration of whatever variation of that group exists. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't think anyone else. And, 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 you know, it's, it's obviously that's why we know who these people are, you know, like that's why, but, um, yeah, yeah like Des has my favorite voice sonically, I think <laughs> mm-hmm. for those songs, you know, and Ron, I love Ron's voice on all those songs too, but like I've seen Des do them and it's amazing seeing him do them, but like, he's not like prowling the stage. Like you're worried he's going to like, you know, pull out some hidden weapon and, and kill someone. <laughs> it's true yeah it, it's i mean i i remember first seeing any footage of, of him performing and this was like i think the first black flag footage i ever saw was of like definitely like slip it in era it was some mm-hmm. kind of toronto i don't know where they, they played but it was either on new music or one of those i think it's on new music where he's got kind of long hair and he's in the underwear by that point yeah right? yeah. yeah and that footage i just remember thinking like immediately and i you know that was again that's not even prime well arguably might be prime era depending on your consideration of the band but for me it's not even prime era and it's that strong so i can only imagine like prior to that you know how that was going but um yeah is there anyone in the world though that's like you know slip it in and after only <laughs> fuck do, the early years i've never met them but i'm sure there's somebody i actually can't wait if you ever encounter them cuz i want to hear the argument i would love to hear the argument too like, i i really i don't i don't know i like slip it in I, I yeah like i know it's got its place but yeah i don't i don't like you know i'm the, it's not like where i'm like yo not even into the early years yeah that no that's crazy talk but i i do like those records I, I I do think they're good. They're not damaged. They're not you know. But I do I do like them. And I do think they're strong. I think they were, if those records were in a lot of other bands' catalogs, I think it, they would not be considered you know strange or whatever. Yeah, so long. Yeah, and someone who's now been in a band you know for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Fuck like. God help you if you're trying to play the same shit the whole time. <laughs> uh, Damien just came off tour, everybody. <laughs> but yeah. No, but like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm having so much fun playing the new songs, you know, and I yeah, know yeah. what it's, and maybe that's the first time for me, too, I got to say, like, where I actually like playing the new songs more than I like playing the old songs. Okay. Um, But, like, you know, I know being up there, like, yeah, people want to hear the other shoe, you know, but you're still forcing them to hear the new stuff. Yeah. It is it is the prototypical bummer move for like yep. you guys you guys mind if we play a new song it's like yeah then audience consensus is like no yeah <laughs> yeah but, no but it's yeah. it's weird it's um you know and then Barry kind of gets into this too like the way they all like hated hardcore and they all checked out at a certain point yes that's a so 
I'm I will like he didn't elaborate a great deal, but I'm curious as to like pick your king, like why? <laughs> well, I think he said that's the best record. Like no one did anything original after that. Yeah, sorry, he did, pardon me. I'm totally wrong. He did elaborate, correct. Um I don't I get what he's getting at. I'm not sure I wholeheartedly agree with it. Though. Yeah. Not that my opinion is certainly not as valid as his, but um yeah, like I, I think it's I, I thought it was cool like I obviously he like he talks about some contemporary groups in the interview, which I thought was cool too. And I thought that was important to hear. Cause I think like that tends to be, I think what disappoints me was when people check out totally and like never revisit it again and just assume yeah. that everything after it's crap. Not that I think anyone truly believes that deep down. I just think people get, you know, people grow up, get lazy or whatever I'm the same. But, um, I just think like, cause pick your King is 86. I want to say, I guess uh, eighty six, yeah. So it's. I'm just thinking, like, what crazy records came out after that? I mean, there's definitely crazy records that came out after that, but like, in that Feel the darkness. Thing, well, yeah, that alone. The fact that, yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Using the same artist and like, just yeah, framing that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just. I'm not. But like I guess he's what he misses out on, and, and it seems to be a huge divide amongst those older kind of like people that were part of hardcore in the first generation is yeah uh, the youth crew stuff coming around. Yeah, there's that. I think his point. I understand the point of the idea where he the claim was that up until whatever the time of that record, right, I'm going to say like '86. I can't remember. Um, everything seemed like sort of like dare I say like original I guess is the way he would frame it and then everything after that was like a um, there was a formula to it so therefore the the you know I don't know it wasn't as whatever you want to say spontaneous fresh authentic whatever you want to use for that you know to say it but I'm trying to like I feel like it shifts a little bit and arguably like there's a lot of purists that really don't like especially the late 80s certainly the early 90s but I think through all that period, I think there's definitely always records that jump out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to just like think of like big ones that like clearly. Well, that, but that's when it really begins. Like to me, that's when like youth crew kind of begins on the East Coast and on the and, and on the West Coast a little bit too, obviously. But like then power violence begins also on the West Coast. Like you got the infest stuff starting to happen. Yeah, and like. I guess my argument th- is this, though. I always think the generation of people that we're discussing, and again, this is me speaking on their behalf, which I have no right to do, but any of the older, you know, the elder statesmen that I've ever encountered or, or read their opinions, the youth crew thing I never, like, I could immediately just cite youth crew records. But it seems to be, and you and I have experienced this, that the youth crew thing. It didn't go down the same for the people that had experienced the first wave almost because no. they viewed it as a bit uh what's it like like caricature or something like like a bit bit too self referential or something or a bit disingenuous however you want to kind of say that um or just viewed it maybe because we were we were disassociated from going to some of those shows in those years maybe it was what was associated with it I don't know but um yeah, I don't uh anyway. Yeah, I think I think you're right like it was 
it was the next generation, right? Like it would make yeah. sense that it, like you had this whole new crop of kids. Like Thurston talked about it happening a couple times in New York in his episode. Yeah. Um, and this would have been like that next sort of like major seismic shift in yeah. that class of, I don't know, 82, 83. Like the them, actually, them kind of checking one, out. The other big one I would say because, so he said pick your king or he said king's a punk. But he said pick your king or king's a punk. Maybe he said pick your king. I thought he said pick your king and that's 83. To me that's kind of insane because there's definitely, that's early, early, early. And he may have chose that. But I, I, in my head when he said it, if he didn't say King's a Punk, I was associating the punk because it's 86. Picker King's 83. So 86, I'm just thinking, okay, say it's 86. That's the same year as Age of Quarrel. So does that get included? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but those guys hate that record. Not those guys. Past. I shouldn't say him because I don't know. Yeah, I haven't that, talked that crop of people of, of that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. But I still think like that's a big record. Well, that record's a monstrous record. But I think like that record to them would have been like you know like uh, maybe viewed as being part of crossover, which would have been happening around that time, or or like just not not their scene. Like that record's a, you know that record's a fucking monster. But I I guess what I'm I'm playing at here is that I feel like there are some people, not necessarily him per se, but there are people that kind of check out on like the sort of meat and potatoes American hardcore thing, or hardcore in general, I guess, but like particularly American hardcore, it seems, and then I feel that do do the crossover thing a bit, yet seemingly kind of don't like crossover at the same time or something right like so it's weird like i i think there's this bizarre uh anyway i was just using age of coral because it was a a good one to use because i totally agree with what you're saying where there's like there's a type of people that don't like that record on the basis of like it being too metal or something yeah but it's it's you know to not acknowledge it at a minimum as like like the perfect hybrid of of like that first wave or something like, like the the culmination of the first wave into one, you know, I don't know. Anyway, like like the bad brains meets like Motorhead idea or whatever. Um, anyway, I, I so it's it's interesting to me. I obviously I think eighty six or eighty three, certainly eighty three is like way early, <laughs> way too early. I'm intrigued by this, but well, like I think you have to have like those ends of eras, you know, so you can at least have a new era start, right? Like if everyone's trying to like hold on to the era that came right before it. Yeah. You know, nothing new's going to get going. Yes. I also full acknowledge though, that the, the people that hold these opinions know far more than I. So I, you know, I could be dead wrong, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I do think even acknowledging some of the contemporary bands kind of illustrates sort of the idea that in any era, I'm just a big proponent that it's never dead. Like, there's always going to be great groups of all eras. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, you know, this show has the perfect taste because we like it all. (laughs) Except for the stuff we don't. Sure, Which sucks. Sure, yes. You know, on an objectionable kind of level. I'm, uh... I, I agree with you. I'm trying to think. I wanted to, like, you to pontificate slightly about some of the nerdy things. So one, I don't know why Sex Drive's only a hundred records. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. I thought that was that I learned. I knew it was limited. I didn't know it was that limited. 
Yeah. Now, now that we say it out loud, and then what's the fix? The fix is like two hundred, maybe. I thought it was yeah, two or three. I thought. No, so I think it's less than three. Really? Yeah, maybe two fifty. Yeah. So I I wasn't aware. I had just assumed those were like I don't know five hundred thousand press records. So I now I kind of get why they're so so expensive <laughs> or have always been arguably so expensive yeah Yeah, Um, you can buy a sleeve right now for five hundred dollars on us on ebay on on discogs fix or sex drive for uh for sex drive just a sleeve yeah like i I remember when the bootleg (laughs) was very prominent which they never did any of the original pressings with or i guess there's only a hundred it's probably not the original is all red right so the bootleg bootleg is the yellow one uh the bootleg but i think there's also a white version too of the original yeah i remember the yellow when the yellow one was floating around like 15 years ago and that was easy to get like the bootleg mm-hmm. obviously um but no i had never <clears throat> i've never i don't think i've even ever seen that record in person actually now they think about it i saw berries yeah you may i've never but i just mean even on like a crazy heat wall at like some store randomly. I've never seen that ever. Actually, so well, obviously the fix same, but even at, yeah, I've never seen that. Even at, uh, yeah, some of like, I don't know. Do you know anyone that has it? You must. Yeah, I know some people that have it. It's not really a record that would sit around, right? Like anyone yeah. that is, people like normally just go and buy it every time it shows up. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. But, it's wild that it's like three thousand dollars, or six thousand dollars now, probably. Oh, more. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, certainly a record that's worth uh, holding on to if you have a copy. Yeah, absolutely. Or give it to me. Whatever you want to do. I uh, I want to clarify something really quick here because in your show synopsis, um, you have Kings of Punk as the last great hardcore record. So to clarify that. Oh, assuming, you must have said Kings of Punk then. Yeah. So that is 86 for the nerds that are. Oof, yes. So there we go. Not as Which bad as we kind thought. Of, kind of suits the narrative as in like the American hardcore book narrative uh, of like dead by 86 idea. Yep. Yeah. I think that's when a lot of those dudes checked out. Yeah. Um, but their loss. Yeah, good. I agree. I, I don't think they have, though. Again, he acknowledged some contemporary stuff, which leads me to believe that, you know, he he is definitely not completely out of the loop. No. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, like a really a really awesome guest. I'm really stoked that I got to, to sit down and talk to Barry. Yeah, agreed. Um, do you have any more points you want to get to? I'm good unless you want to jump on anything. No, I think I'm good now, too. Uh, let's leave it here for today. Uh, yeah. Because, Chris, we're going to be coming back with a big one next week. Absolutely. A big one indeed. Next week on the show, uh, we're going to be doing a special year-end wrap-up here at Turned Into Punk. Uh, we're going to have a lost episode drop-in. Uh, I think I'm going to do it on Christmas Day. Even though that's like nice. super cliched. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to do it on Christmas Day for that episode. No, I'm, but, I think that's great. Yeah, but then you and me are also going to be doing two special shows that will be coming on the next two weeks. First, 
Chris, next week we are going to be having, what is it? You're talking the mailbag episode? Yeah, the mailbag episode. Sorry, I should have set you up a little bit better than just throwing <laughs> yeah, it to you. I was like, unless there's one I'm not familiar with. But yes, the mailbag with the Dave. Yeah, we're going to be doing a mailbag episode with the two Daves. They'll be joining us. We'll be getting into some heavy shit. Yeah, it's much, uh, much needed. So also for anybody, actually, this will probably go up later. So never mind. I was going to say send in questions, but by the time you send them in, well, send them in if you want. But by the time you send them in, it will probably have already been recorded. <laughs> yeah, please send them in and, and we can we can talk and we can chat and we can go over them. Yeah. Uh, mailbag. How do they get the mail to us, Chris? Yeah, you can reach us here at turnoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. And so we're going to be tearing this thing wide open on the show. Uh, but that's it, Chris. Anything else you want to get to? No, I'm good. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with that special. And uh, go there, sign your organ donor cards, and we will see you next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.